0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class.
1: And hello to anyone, and I know there are out there, because people let me know about it, who are listening to this asynchronously on Temple Beth Am's podcast. We are uh, hanging out, about to have a plague, the first of, I don't know, around 10 is my guess.
2: Um, oh, uh chapter seven. I believe I mean, it does depend how you count. What's that? It does depend you I
1: believe that we uh began um the Rashi in verse 16, but I don't think we finished the Rashi in verse
3: 16. We, didn't mean, we I was, right. started. We started? We're start. supposed to start okay, Rashi. We
1: started I started it only in my head. Um so um let's uh, let's get the verse down so that we know exactly what verse that we're dealing with. And welcome to new student, Rona Karp, who uh, has been talking about joining this class for a while and is showing up. And it's so great to have you. Do you have safari there? Have the...
4: Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I think I have it. I, I found the verse and then I clicked on the commentaries and found Rashi, Correct. So I, think I got it. Very good. But, but I hopefully will get a book because I
1: don't, this is weird. <laughs> it's weird, but you uh, it's it's,
4: it's you interesting to... how you
1: get used to it. I i joke but it's not a joke that all of the wonderful and colorful and meaningful and expensive books that i have on my shelf they're all available for free on <laughs> safari at all times it's such a strange transformation it's amazing it's like, i think it's always safari is is, is the greatest I don't know,
0: Resource. It's
1: actually the one of the greatest revolutions in Jewish intellectual history ever, right? Um so I had this wonderful bookshelf that i love looking at, but I can't believe the last time I pulled off arashi from the bookshelf. I never mm-hmm. I never had a
2: history
1: Um, Hi. Joel, um I I would sometimes like ask a friend to buy a textbook, but right? I never
5: actually.
1: Right? And apparently there's another website a that also does this stuff. Uh we can I think we did it preemptively so we can do after the fact the to Stewart on Stephanie's wedding on Sunday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank
6: you very thank much. much. Thank you, okay.
1: So chapter seven, verse sixteen. Uh I'll read the verse and then we'll assign someone to the Rashi. Wait
6: before you before you start, can I donate dedicate our learning today to my new granddaughter that uh, was born yesterday?
1: Yes, Mazel tov. we're dedicating our learning to Renee's granddaughter, uh, so we obviously don't have a name yet, but to nope. take it, but.
6: <laughs> oh, oh, you shall simply have a Benyamina.
1: Mazel Tov, Benyamina. Okay. And you shall say to him, God is saying to Moses, say this to Pharaoh, the God, who is the God of the Hebrews sent me to you Limor, to say the following so we have another verse where we, have, we have quotation marks and then quotations and then quotation and then another quotation mark <inaudible> send my people that they shall serve me in the wilderness <inaudible> and you have not listened up until now and i sort of set up the rashi last week by by reminding us that adko usually um references location. It's usually not temporal, it's usually um, spatial. And if it's spatial, then it's a challenge. Because what what would it really mean for Moses to say to Pharaoh, you have not listened to me up
7: until this GPS spot on the map, right? I think that actually makes sense. Because he wouldn't listen when he was approached in his palace. But now, when he's about to go into the river, He's being told this again, he's in a different place, and a unique thing is going to happen, because um, his magicians can't turn the Nile into blood. Uh, so maybe they could turn it red, but they certainly can't turn it into blood. Good. So what norman offering is an alternate answer to the question that
1: Rashi's about to answer, and Rashi's going to answer it without asking the question, because it's often different. what he does. But that's an interesting possibility, right? That, that the co could mean spatial, right? That up until this, up until I got to here, all the other places I've confronted you, you've got listening. to me. Maybe here you will. Fascinating. Uh, Elon's hand is up.
3: Yeah, it's a little bit off that topic. But um, as I've been thinking about this verse this week, it, one thing that uh, continually continued to disturb me, um, which is. God's saying, send out my people that they may serve me in the wilderness, not send out my people that they may be free. Right. And there's something troubling about that. Like it, it, yeah, that it's, it's not his concern for the people that's, that's leading him to 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 admonish uh, Pharaoh to set them free. It said he wants them to serve him. And that's just not uh, it, it's somewhat of an uncomfortable concept.
1: It's uncomfortable for you, Elon, in sort of the, it's a weird word to say, the character of God, right, that that the language seems to be that they're going out for my sake, not for their sake?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: I understand. I think it's understood. I don't know if this makes us better or worse, I, and we've discussed this, I think, a few times in the past. It's understood classically that this is a ploy, that less of it being a reflection of God's sincerest will that they are doing this for me rather than I'm doing it for them, that if the only thing, uh, Moses, I ask you to ask Pharaoh to do is to let them out so they can kind of worship me in the desert and maybe they'll come back and not ask him, I'm setting set them free forever, then maybe there's a greater chance of his saying yes, although that gets us into the Esher painting of, we we know that God knows that he's, he's going to say no until the 10th plague anyway, right, so, so It's hard to sort of interrupt the flow of what we imagine God can expect Pharaoh to say. But yes, I understand that it would be more kind of ennobling for God to say in every situation, set them free because you're oppressing them and they should be free, not so that they can come worship me. I get that. Uh, Is that, um, is up. Rick.
8: Uh, Hi, Uh, just on that phrase, um, if he had said, set them free because i want to take them to disneyland or set them free just so they can do this or that there's no challenge to pharaoh's authority right Right. they're praying they're serving you now i want them to serve me so it's a direct challenge it's not like he's setting them up to do something else it's you thought they were going to do this with you for the rest of your life no they're they're not going to do that anymore so it, it sets up the challenge
1: uh, fascinating point. Remember what Rick said when we get to the Rashi on the next verse, which I imagine <laughs> we'll get to today, but we may not. Um, yeah, and, and, and we've talked a lot about the wonderful interplay of the Wut, Ayin, Bet, Dalet, right? That they are Abadim to Pharaoh and they're going to be Abde Hashem. And so, and, and in, in the magical thinking that understands that Pharaoh would have understand, understood the puns of the Hebrew language, right? <laughs> what you're saying is that God is saying to Moshe, tell Pharaoh, now they are ovde you, they're coming out to ovde me. I'm the winner here, not you.
5: Arona?
4: Well, he's making it territorial, like there's a war, because normally you don't lose slaves unless, you know, you don't lose territory or peoples unless it's through a war, which I think contributes to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, Uh right? In a way that's sort of like under the surface, because they always talk about God, harden Pharaoh's heart, but it seems so abstract. Yeah. But I think this, like linguistically, is an example of him, like appealing to sort of a war, like right? Because if he's saying just have them be free, he's not losing him to another pop, them to another power. But right. as soon as Pharaoh's is losing the people to another power, yeah. becomes territorial.
1: Very interesting. Great For those of you who came in late, this is Rona, uh, who is uh, joining our class Rona. today and maybe forever.
4: Say. <laughs> I was gonna say you some people were dedicating the class and I it just so happened, it's sort of kind of random but that yesterday was my dad's. 13th yard site mm-hmm. it's kind of fitting to be here today, because he'd be really happy. To see that i'm in the class.
5: good, okay. okay. Great. Okay,
1: let's, um, what do you think? Raise your hand if we think we should uh, celebrate Rona's first time in class by asking her to read Rashi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very pleased that it's
4: in Hebrew, script, so in Rashi script, although I'm surprised it's
1: not in Rashi script. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, on Safaria, the text
7: the I wonder if you,
1: I wonder if there's any place in Safaria where Rashi script is <laughs> Even wrong. Rashi
7: couldn't read Rashi script. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: Ronnie, give it a shot. It's <laughs> a loving and forgiving crowd. Uh, read the Rashi.
4: <laughs> Yeah, not my text study is not what it used to be. So forgive my any, any Hebrew fumbles. Um, adko,
1: adhine. Uh, okay, Okay. And so, so the first thing Rashi does is is this is re- respond without telling us responding to our question of what does you you think that ko means spatial? His answer itself could be understood as ambiguous because he's saying what does it mean hate what does Haina mean? What does so he in may mean? Place. Here. Well boldly no, in this
5: split. place. Here, Until now, right. Here, right?
1: Yeah. The problem with with Rashi's turning Adko into Ad Haina is that's also <laughs> ambiguous. You can say does the Heina mean here in this moment, right? right? Or here in this spot, right? So he hasn't really resolved it unless, I don't know, an early medieval uh Hebrew, Heina um what was more obvious um, about time rather than space but but he quickly moves on he says you you reader are wondering what the word code means it means here but let me give you another answer because I know you're wondering that why why the word co is used particularly because ko usually has to do with spatial relations we wedra show <laughs> The co- put the word "co" in that word in quotation marks. So Rashi, <coughs> you've know, seen Rashi do this, I don't know, once every 10 or 15 comments, right? She tells you what the word actually means, and then he says, but let me bring you a lovely So
4: let's
1: let's translate that. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
1: Mean any? I'll just read it. Okay.
4: <laughs> thou will not hearken until uh, thou hearest the word go, is, until that hearest from me the announcement of the slaughter of the firstborn, Shall so begin with the words go. Right. So everyone turn in your,
1: um, either in your safari or your homage to chapter 11, verse 4. We we I anticipated we it. it but I don't think we read it. Mm-hmm. You think we read it, Joel? Maybe <laughs> I read it for myself it's some yeah. How Oh dear. <laughs> okay.
0: What are we looking
1: at? Eleven. Eleven
0: starts the fourth. Yeah, fourth.
1: Aliyah. A parshat So when we get to yeah. the tenth plague, which which we will get to, I don't know. A year and a half or so. Uh, the Torah says, by Moshe, Moses said, ko amar Thus says God, um, the, here the ko is the "thus." at around midnight, I'm gonna come out in the middle of Egypt, and what am I gonna do? I'm gonna smite the first Right. So Rashi says, and this is such, such an obvious, I'm sort of grateful to Rashi as naming this as Midrash as opposed to him thinking that we should think of this as shot that when when moses says to pharaoh lo shamata ad ko, you have not and i i know you're not going to listen to me until the co moment what's the co moment the moment of not the 10th the first plague which we're on right now going to the 10th plague which is going to begin with co now those of you know a little bit about Parshat the era and and bo what is what's a potential critique of rashi on this
3: resolution Rebbe, oh, hello. No. Maybe maybe Moses uses the word "co." Ko. ko is the oh, first yeah. word no. of the next of the next of the next verse, but it's not it's not said to Pharaoh. But there's got to be I'm trying to do a search. can find it. There's got to be another "co" before then. Correct. Rick, is that where you were going? Let's hear it.
8: Uh, hi, thanks. Um, farther farther into it, since you went ahead, there in verse eight. The, your servants will um, uh, come down to me, they'll prostrate to me, Okay, all the people will follow you. So that's the resolution there about which way the Abadecha are going to go. It's 11.8. Uh, so maybe Rashi liked that ko better because it leads to that Abadecha uh-huh. in, instead of all the other ko's.
1: So um, I want to share with you the commentary of the um, of the Mizrahi, who's one of the super commentaries on Rashi, because he is um, reacting to the same sensitivity. So it's on the screen now. So Mizrahi again writes a kind of a linear commentary on Rashi's commentary on the Torah. Um when we've looked together at super commentaries on Rashi, we more often look at the Gur Aryeh, which is written by the Maharal of Prague, but the Mizrahi is in fact when you buy the set that is the super commentary, like the actual books, not the Sepharia, actual super commentary Rashi, is called in Juice speak, buying the Mizrahi, because that's the primary super commentary rashi, and then the gur Aryeh is in the bottom. So I have a set of Mizrahi on my shelf, and look what he says. So look all the way on the right side of the screen. When we dress show, so he's not quoting Rashi, not quoting the verse. Show, So, um, as the Mizrahi says, Hi hey there, come on in. Uh, uh, so this is where there's we're two chairs where, where there? There. was there not oh, a sign on the door there. Oh. <laughs> oh okay there's uh there's space over there and there's,
8: um, and there's two chairs
1: kind of uh, uh, welcome <laughs> back leonard You can also wish a Mazatou to Rebecca out, Leonard on
3: Hannah's graduation Yay! um give your answer to your question what's that I think we have an answer to your question about whether we should be up here To to grab He's not. I want to remind you that in the early pre COVID days we, we were up to twenty five. Uh-huh. So. Right.
1: It, no, it does but, make the audio so much easier. Maybe yeah. it was a way to fix that I'm in Pilch. Oh. Okay. Way. So um Jirafi quotes Rashi and he says, <laughs> <"Kerush> <laughs> That that in the tenth plague the word ko is used in the actual plague but in the other plagues in the other plagues when the word co-appears, it doesn't appear in the moment the plague is actually coming out, but it actually appears in in Moshe's warning Pharaoh that it's coming, right? So mizrahi's defending Rashi Rashi is legit saying that this is an interesting midrash that says you're not going to listen until the big grand co which co the co that I'm going to say when I'm actually doing the tenth plague yeah the word co it's not an uncommon word it appears other plagues but it only appears in the warning not in the execution of the plague itself okay um was a chat let me just see what wrote oh what Rona. okay. Um, is that the end of that? Rashi?
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, um, good. Any comments or questions on that Rashi? What, it, what the verse means? Or what Rashi thinks
3: the verse means? Okay. Well, I just, Larry. Yeah, I just, I'm checking. Actually, there isn't any other time when Moses says to Pharaoh, oh. All right. Well, this is in verse three of chapter ten. All the other quotes are when God's telling God's telling um, Moses what to say.
1: Right. The warning. The, the the warning that something. Right. It's 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 Moshe's. It's mostly God saying to Moshe, "This is how you should warn Pharaoh," but
3: it's not. It's usually not in Pharaoh's direct presence. Uh, except in ten three. I think. Um Moses, yeah. Ten three. So chapter ten, verse three, they use the, they actually address Pharaoh and say Koamar. But it's not the moment of the
1: execution of a plague, but an announcement of that one might be coming soon if you don't do something.
3: Okay, that's really splitting hairs.
1: It is splitting hairs, yeah. Welcome to Rabbinic rabbinic brain um speaking of splitting hairs i forgot i wanted to go back to one other thing on verse 16 that we discussed last week the the first rashi on um or the rashi on verse 15 talked about (coughs) the significance of Pharaoh going out to the water right and rashi saying that why does um why did Moshe meet him there? Because that's where Pharaoh was out
5: uh, right.
1: sort of semi thinking he was privately taking care of his needs because he was a god and he told the Egyptians that he didn't have to take care of his needs and that's where Moshe claims him. I wanted to share with you the uh, the commentary about the Anachizkuni because it was, it was significantly, it was different enough from the Rashis that it was worth looking at. This is not the Chizkuni that you mentioned last week. We, you mentioned hiskuni that was not this one I think, right? I missed and I made a comment. Go ahead and do it. Okay. Please. So it's on the screen. So on the phrase, which is our verse, the, the says that means Yesh Some explain it. That the reason why God told Pharaoh to speak to him in this spot is because he was. Um, Went to the water. Leaving, He was coming out to the water, which is a place of purity. That's the place, and that's the only place you should speak to him. But not at his house, God forbid. Don't mention God's name maybe again in his palace, which is a schmutzy place where um, it's filled with idolatry and, and licentiousness and all of this stuff. It's not quite the opposite of Rashi, but Rashi invokes the notion that what Fer, what Pharaoh is doing by the water is tinuf, right? Is taking care of his bodily needs, right? And Hiskuni says, no, the reason why you're speaking to him there is because you should only mention God's name in a place of purity. Um, and um, that, maybe we did mention this because you were asking about whether or not it's really okay to study in the, in the bathroom, right?
3: Well, what I said was, we've seen that you can't study in a Place of idolatry, which some people would say a church is, right. especially if it has an icon or a statue up there. But maybe it's okay to study in the bathroom. Yeah,
1: yeah. not according to Uh Toba.
3: Um, I wasn't here when we stated the previous
5: verse, so this may have already been brought up. But um, in fact, part of what the Pharaoh's duties were as sort of the not totally divine, but mere divine intercessor to the gods was. Literally to renew each day the work of creation, hmm. and part of that renewal had to do with ceremonies at the Nile that were ensuring its continuing flowing and rising. Yeah, and that, to the extent that this is reflecting some kind of historical memory, is more likely what they reflecting, which actually makes all the more powerful what's going to happen. Yes, in the next. So another
1: great segue to the next verse. So now we have to remember what Rick said and what Tova said, as we read verse 17 and the Raji on it. I,
5: I
6: just want to say that we commented that we needed Tova Thank here. <laughs> last, last, week, last week, because we knew that she would know something that we don't know about Egypt and life in the Nile. Yes. We missed you. It was like,
0: there was this Out question, loud. and it was Tova. Manaya. We, we had too bad Tova's here. Sorry, guys.
3: Uh, Rick.
8: Yes, hi. Um, yeah, thank you, Tova. I, I try to fill in when you're not there, but you're, you're the best. So again, with this scene, the scene ends uh, at 23. And yeah, you can think that Pharaoh's alone. He's going to the bathroom. But you could also think he's performing this ceremony and there's other people with him. They just didn't get mentioned yet. You know, the Torah telescopes in and telescopes out. They didn't need to mention that Yeah, all of his courtiers are there His magicians And they're, they're going to try to fix the water right there It's not the next scene It's the same scene um, I do believe So um, it was all about purifying the water
1: So let's, let's hold that as we read um, The verse that actually talks about What's going to happen to the water um, mm-hmm. Rebecca, do you want to read verse 17? Okay Which begins with a familiar word
9: Koamar Hadonai, Bezot Teda, He Ani Adonai, Hine Anochi Maket, Bamate, Asher Bayadi, Alhamayim, Asher Bayor, the Ladam. Thus says God, in this you will know that I am the Lord, behold, I will smite with the rod in my hand on the waters that are in the river, and they shall turn to blood.
1: Sometimes it's wonderful to read the original verse of a story that we've known since we were five years old, right, and it's wonderful even to read it for the hundredth time, right, to actually see the moment. Where this ha- where this happen. Of course, he's the moment where it's, it's about to happen? Okay. Um, <clears throat> great. A beautiful translation. Uh, let's linger on the verse before we look at Rashi's. Anything jump out at you in vocabulary, in syntax, in content, that you want to say something about or ask something about on the verse itself.
3: Larry. I have two comments. One is mine, one is alters. Okay. So my comment is, is simply to remind myself, <coughs> you all know this, What's actually happening here is this is still inside God speaking to Moses, telling Moses what to tell Pharaoh, and this is part of what he's telling Pharaoh. This is not what actually happens. Right, we're we're within the third quotation
1: marks that began in verse 16,
3: correct? And lest I forget, when we get to it in a week or two or three, when we finally get out of this, we never go back to finding out that moses actually went down to talk to the pharaoh at the by himself at the waters we just go into aaron does it if i'm not mistaken no is, no 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 but we never we never we never hear and moses and moses encountered pharaoh alone and this is what straight happened to the smiting of the water or straight to the smiting right so we assume that it happened Alter's just comment is on the previous <clears throat> verse but i think it applies to this one as well. And I really can't, I I didn't notice it. He says, it should be observed that this prose narrative in a style not evident in most other biblical stories proceeds through the solemn emphatic reiteration of refrain-like phrases and entire clauses, both in the language of the narrator and in the dialogue. I'm not sure I understand it, but he thinks it's very different uh, language than is than than we get elsewhere. Can you read that again? Yeah, it should be observed that this prose narrative, in a style not evident in most other biblical stories, proceeds through the solemn, emphatic reiteration of refrain-like phrases and entire clauses, both in the language of the narrator and in the dialogue. What mm-hmm. what
4: are those phrases?
1: What what I what I think he's saying <laughs> is that and I don't know, is that there's a lot of, in in, in a text that we praise as being terse, there's a lot of words and phrases that are repeated, that seem to be repeated for stylistic stylistic emphasis that you didn't need, particularly if you wanted to read the story as tersely as possible. It's reminiscent of some of the things that Rashi says way back when, in our class, in um, Harshat, what is it, Parshat uh, Chayisara, no, Parshat when, Vayera, um, when, 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 when is telling the servant about uh, finding a, a spouse for his son, we have the story basically told th- three, three times, which is very unlike the Torah, because Abraham telling the servant what to do, the servant thinking about what he's going to do, and then the servant, and then the Torah telling us that he did it, right? I wonder if for saying something similar here that we're gonna have this kind of recurrence of like uh what like might have called a light
3: ward that you didn't need to tell
1: the story briefly.
3: But that exactly is what I say. We don't do because it's not here. Actually, it also happens, I think, with 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 Jacob, right? In Lavan. Mm-hmm. He tells the story three times. That's the other There's a couple of places right, right. the three, no, that's the first one the rabbis talking about. Eliezer. There's several places where there's a 3 <laughs> story in Braishi. But here we don't have that because if we had that, given my previous point, we would have gotten to a point that says, and then Moses went to meet the Pharaoh. But
7: we don't have that. Right. So but We usually get that when they've changed something a little bit. He hasn't exactly quoted exactly what he was told to say. And that's when we get that. But in this case, we're going to be told at verse 20 someday. <laughs> We're going to be told that Moses and Aaron did as they were commanded by. And that means the nine verses or so of, quote, we don't need to repeat again because they did just the way God said it. would be helpful as a, for me, Mr. Alger, if he told me which phrases he's referring to, it would
1: help me to his comment. So next time I have an, I have an audience, I will remind myself. Uh, Snevy and
2: then too I think what Alter's right. getting at is that we've had a lot of words that seem to be setting up this verse, right? We've had mm-hmm. the word kine like five or six times in the last four verses. We've had mm-hmm. uh, the the staff that is ne'pachle right? right? Right, which was not the, the word that was used earlier, but now it's nafelchle dam, right? That same term. We had adko. And then indicating like, you no, know, you have a chance now. Mm. Right. I think that they I think that's what all they're saying is that there's, is that e- even in this small snippet of narrative, there's like a lot of repeating terms, Interesting. great. Thank you, Stevie. Sue and then Diane.
6: Well, I agree with Stevie. I was thinking the same thing that it feels It just feels like we're all singing a song. Practically, it's like the koamar and the result mm-hmm. and the ani arunai, and here it is and it's in my hand and we're going to da, 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 da and and then the one thing that strikes me as just a little bit odd is that he then it, it then says we're going to, you know, we're, I'm going to take this rod in my hand and, and on the water that's in the that's in the river mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're to, share by water? yeah and he's already there and he's at the river and the pharaoh's in mm-hmm. the river and now we're talking about the water in the river <laughs> like what water would we be talking about it seems a little yeah. like um
1: or the reverse i'm gonna see behind to smite this river which part of the river the
2: water the, of the water river. of the river
6: it's a little bit like that it, yeah. so
2: interesting <laughs> well when magicians do it don't they do it with water that's not in the river it's not there. Oh. Uh, well, him. so
1: him while you're looking Diane and the Tobas
0: so i think there's confusion in this verse about who's actually striking the water We have the advantage in English of having quotation marks, but there are no quotation marks in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. By this you shall know I am the Lord. See, I shall strike the water in the Nile with the rod that's in my hand. And we, we, there are other places where we talk about God's body parts. So how did it say, why isn't it, I Aaron Mm. shall strike the water.
1: Right, and so if you look briefly at verse 19, Mm -hmm. which will be another interesting (laughs) Rashi, which I don't think we're ever going to get to. Um, <laughs> in verse nineteen, it's by Yom Nayim Moshe and our own, kachet Macha. Right, so we're still in the the scene describing what's going to happen. It's not happening, but God's going to tell Moshe to have Aaron do this. But in our verse, right, the, the it's, it's it's the the ani is interesting because the ani is Arunai, and therefore you would think that the Anochi would also be Arunai. But that seems to be a human, a reference to a human person or as a human-like stab in a human hand. So, um, but as Larry reminded us, none of this is actually happening, right? It's just God's telling Moshe to tell Pharaoh that will happen. Uh, Rona, Tova, and then uh, Rick.
4: How, how similar is this like prophecy, I guess, to, generally, how God talks to Moshe, because I know that every prophet receives prophecies differently, and reacts differently, right, in their relationship with God. Moshe is typically, like, a little bit less active, I think. God just sort of tells him to do stuff, and he does that stuff. Um, whereas a lot of other prophets throughout the Tanakh argue with God, or they run away from God, like, they all have different personalities. So how much of this is, is about structure of the story and how much of this is just about the nature with which Moshe receives the prophecy.
1: It's an interesting question. There are definitely moments where Moshe's presence before God is to receive and transmit the word. And there are most moments where Moshe complains to God and argues with God on behalf of the people and changes, changes God's mind. So far, Moshe's encounter with God has been, you know, receiving the revelation at the burning bush, but then also engaging with God about the fact that He's slow of speech and He's not worthy for the job. So, I think there have been several modes. Um, so, I don't, I don't, I don't have a great answer to your question, but I think that, that that Moshe himself is is presented as several different versions of a prophet in terms of how passive or active he is in God's presence. Tova? I um, was well, cheating with your
5: head a little bit, but. She... Feels a little bit like this is one of those occasions where we have uh two versions of the narrative merge hmm. because right now he's talking about striking the waters of the river mm-hmm. but in the next verse when he does it it's going to be the streams the rivers the ponds all the gatherings of water even what's in the vessels of, what in the vessels of, right, right, right. right and then in the one after that he's striking the waters of the river again
1: <laughs> right so, and, and split even further in verse 17 it's actually confusing to hold on to. It's God telling Moshe what to tell Pharaoh about right. what's going to happen. In verse 19, it's God telling Moshe Moses telling for, for, for what Aaron's going to do God. and its impact. So God. somehow, the message that Pharaoh, if we take it as one narrative and not right. split sources, yeah. the message to Pharaoh seems to be, I'm going to strike the Nile, and as we'll get to the next verse, everything's going to die. But when, the, when, it's, when it's told to Moses for what Aaron should do, there's this description of all the other waters, and um, I'm interested in in Rick's comment as we get to it, I've always found verse 19 to be a hard and lovely verse to Lane, the way it's constructed and the references to all the different that um, that narotam yorehem admehem mehem. There seems to be an almost an intentional expansion of the bodies of water that's going to be hit there, which is very different than the single body of water you are in verse 17. And I always I always feel accomplished. It's a long verse. It's interesting. Trump. I always feel accomplished when I lame that verse successfully. Um, Rick and then is Rick your hand up again or still? And then Sue. And then we're going to be flashy.
8: Yeah, hi. So um, I just want to raise the question. So Moses or Aaron doesn't really talk to uh, Ramses here. It's just God telling them what they should do. And then they do the thing, but they never right. so uh, compared to when that, right. Abraham talks to Eliezer and Eliezer says it and Eliezer says it again. It, it's not, it, it's not a repetition of that. <laughs> um, it, it's just a foreshadowing. And then, we don't really have the actual, hey, Pharaoh, uh, uh, you need to do this. Uh, they just do the thing, and then he takes off. He turns around and leaves. I mean, after the... Anyway, it, it it's it doesn't follow the narrative, is what I'm trying to it doesn't, say. It
7: doesn't, it,
1: the, 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 we never find out in real time a full description of all that is, pre, that is predicted to be happening with this. And Larry <clears throat> pointed out, the actual encounter between uh, Moses and Pharaoh about this is over.
8: It's not there, yeah.
1: Can we just take a moment and look how happy and relaxed Elon looks and decide that we should do a, like, <laughs> a Rashi class trip to, <laughs> the, to Cape Cod. I mean, uh, I
0: mean why should it only be
1: Elon who gets to study uh, Rashi in that set? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> looking looking good. Okay. Uh Sue and then um, Rebecca will be the Rashi. Well
6: I I was I was just thinking about how we have this whole setup and we're going to do it and it's going to do it and it's going to be air it's going to be you and then going to go and go and uh, like over and over again and it's it's I'm, I'm just reminded that it's the first one it's like we're we're yeah. really bellying up to the bar to start doing these makos to the Egyptians that's, right. that's going to you know change everything and it's like a big deal it's you know there's and i'm guessing that it 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 kind of sets Moses and Aaron up in some kind of okay you're you're going to be on this is how it's going to go again let's this is what's going to happen and what's going to happen and then from there on the chips are going to start falling.
1: It's a helpful reminder that we, we need to remind all the time that particularly when we're in a part of the story that we know well. We have to somehow regain a certain naivete and read it as if. This the first time we're ever learning any of this information, right? Because the Torah we assume is constructed in such a way that when you're reading it for the first time, it should have a certain kind of an impact. It has a different impact when you're reading it for the ninetieth time. But we have to somehow forget that we know that they're like right now. The Torah doesn't yet know, even though God knows, that there are nine more plagues coming.
4: But there's no first time,
6: and so yeah, we always have to bring to this the reminder as if because there's there never was a first time yeah the story was kind of always known from the very
1: you mean like in our lives or throughout jewish history or both
6: throughout jewish history
1: there was never someone reading this who didn't know it before they read it somehow is that what you're saying yeah interesting um I mean, that, that might be true, except for the, you know, the rare circumstances of someone who comes to Judaism or to text Judaism later, but fair, I... Fair right. enough, but... And it, and particularly because it was an oral tradition before... That's what I um, mean, you know.
6: is that there was never a, a first time. This is, of you know,
1: whatever. You're going to... Steve's hand is up. Can you let larry Larry's, Larry's to like, reason. Why is no, Larry
3: yeah. laughing?
1: Um,
2: yeah. Larry's
3: chomping chomping to at Sue because it's reminding me of what <laughs> Diane observed. We in Mozambique used to study with a lot of people who are not Jewish. And Diane always used to say, their read is so different than ours. And I think it gets to Sue's point. We as individuals and as a society and community, we grew up with this. So it's already it's in there. It's in our even in our DNA. You know, even say you sit, you study with with Gentiles, and I don't know if anyone's going to agree. It's a completely
2: different experience. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that responding both to Toto and the uh in one at least academic, you know, textual reconstruction theory. Um, the at the earliest layer, there's these three connotations between. Moses and Pharaoh and the sort of so in this uh, we call it the first plague but really it's got a lot in common with the encounter with the the staffs right that you know the the magicians can replicate the thing right for example um, and just the the kind of dialogue that's going on and that that is one sort of early layer and then uh, another version of the narrative has much more expanded, you know, plague story in which this is becomes the first plague. Mm. Um, and also that in the uh even in that version, the, the this plague we'll get to in a second is really the plague of the dead fish. And it's the smell of the fish that causes mm. the water to be undrinkable, not mm. the bloodiness of the water. Mm. And then that gets more magicalified, I guess, um as you know, as the as story gets more embellished. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that, like, we're calling this the first plague, but only because we've been conditioned that way. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. Thank you, to Diane?
0: So, I'm just thinking about the plenary and which is what, exactly what we're doing, right? right? And how this reading text this way Um, The latest iteration of U.S. curricula for children is teaching them how to do deep reads into text, Mm -hmm. and so that's what, I mean, it's fascinating how important this is is as a skill, just
5: up in and out of sight.
1: And it's, it really, this is not better or worse, but it's okay to point out differences. (laughs) It's not Necessarily normative in every culture, every religious culture, every religious culture. I, I've, I've told this a version of this group of, in the past about when I did a bibliodrama training, interfaith bibliodrama training in Minnesota years ago, where I moved to Los Angeles. And it was a bunch of rabbis and religious school teachers and a bunch of Christian catechism teachers. And when it came to the notion of putting themselves into a moment in the text, whether the Old Testament or New Testament, and if you've ever been in a building with me and then acting out the part as, just, as if you are Sarah or you are Jesus they were stymied because they had no, these were educated, committed educators in the Christian tradition, they had no cultural history of imagining the text was anything other than what the King James version said the text was, right? It's not a critique, it's just a different way of understanding it, so to, to, to classic Christian um, approaches what the Bible is 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 what the Bible is, and for us that is the thinnest. It, it's sacred and the thinnest crust underneath the or over the, the richest material, right? Like adko, right? Like the King James version would never say that. What that adko might mean is that there's a there's a play on you know the koamara
7: and I coming up because that's just not what shot is, right? Um, our our tradition is
1: different. Okay, were there any more? Okay, Rebecca, read um, the Rashi on B'nev Khuladam.
9: B'nev they shall be turned to blood. Lefi she'in g'shamim yordim b'nitzrayim Olah, <laughs> ole humakshe et ha'aretz. Okay,
1: translate that piece. And then while you're translating this into our a common thing we do. What is Rashi's question? He's giving us only the answer.
9: Since rains come down in Egypt.
1: Ain't I mean, your. Oh, since
9: rains don't come down in Egypt, um, and the Nile rises and waters the land.
1: Okay, so he's telling us something, and and Toba can tell us how accurate he is. That for the most part, the way agriculture was done according to Rashi is not because of plentiful rainfall, (coughs) but the Nile overflowing its banks, and when it overflows its banks, there were irrigation systems that allowed them to actually do agriculture. Is that correct, Ish? Absolutely. Okay, well done, Rashi. (laughs) All right? What
9: does that mean? And Egyptians serve or worship the Nile.
1: Right, this I think is Rashi intentionally playing with the word Oved, as we discussed before, right? We're we're in a scene where the notion of who is serving and who is um, a servant to whom is played out in the Hebrew text, and Rashi is making a point, but is also saying the fact that the Egyptians would oved would be servants of worshiping the Nile as a certain deity. Very
9: interesting
1: phrase. See if you can. Translate it and then let's see figure what it means, because what it means is not necessarily what it, the words mean.
9: Therefore, he smote their god.
1: Right. What is the word yiratam? The fear. Their fear, their awe. Oh, it's a really interesting way of saying it. It's like he attacked their belief system, right? Hilka uh, is the um, is the he feel of loke. Loke is to uh, is to get a lash at right? the malkut in rabbinic. Um,
6: um, but it's not like makot. makot is... It's, it's not
1: makot, right? It's, which is with a cuff. This is with a lamin and a kuf. They they're, they're sound similar to the different words. Um, you know, rabbinic punishment for uh, transgressing certain sins was mal- malkut, which is 40 minus 1 lashes. So l- l- halkot is to smite someone <laughs> hard, right? And it, it, the only way to translate it would be he smote their awe. He tried to destroy their faith, something like
9: that. Go ahead. And afterwards, he smote them.
1: Okay. Assuming you understand Rashi's answer, what's Rashi's question on the verse?
3: Why do you start
1: with this? With this? this. Right. Why do we start with the river, which, yeah, it's going to make the, it's going to make the the country smelly, but no one's in. No one's being injured yet, right? So, and, and the point is to pressure people because of their their discomfort or pressure the leader to do something. Why start here? Or maybe you could just ask it even more simply: Why start with the river? The answer is that that this goes back. To, I forgot who was saying it before, but I remember I told someone. Remember remember this comment: that there is a a dynamic going on as to who is the lord over whom, right? So. You Pharaoh say that you are a lord to the Egyptians, and they worship you, and you are the oppressor of the Israelites, and you're making them serve you. And in Hebrew, that's the same word. Well, I'm going to sort of reverse it. First, I'm going to smite the thing that people in your society worship, and then I'm going to smite you. And that, um, and there could have been, there could have been, you know, many ways for the templates to begin. Exactly. I'm going to make you throw yeah. snooping again, yes. <laughs> that snooper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and playing with playing with authority and who's actually in charge. I saw, I saw some hands that were half up. Lock down.
7: Norm? Rashi is by completely into the idea that first he's going to destroy all the Egyptian gods and disprove all aspects of the Egyptian religion the religious activity or whatever you call it and show that he himself is the one true god over the whole world. Correct.
1: And going back to the God that we are uh, introduced to in Brachit, the God who created the waters and who created the fish, right? I was the Bill Cosby line. I know we can't always quote Bill Cosby these days, but you know, I, I brought you into this world, so then I'm going to take you out, right? That's you know, imagining his father saying that. So God saying, "You, Pharaoh, think you're in charge of you're in charge of the Israelites, and you're in charge, and you control the Nile. I actually control both, and I'm going to start by." By going to the source, but the, the, if there's another divinity in Egypt besides you, is the Nile? I'm starting with that, Barbara, and then Rona.
5: Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the sentences in the Torah and Rashi, and in the Torah, is God will turn the river into blood, and God will sm- strike the rod. Whereas in Rashi, it's as if God's already done it; it's past tense. I don't quite re- realize. Like, I don't quite understand why Rashi didn't leave it as future tense that God is going to do this. Yeah. Why he's made it? God did it.
7: Yeah,
1: I don't know if I have a good answer to that. I don't think Rashi would disagree with you. I think Rashi was just writing. Rashi knows that he's in a part of the conversation that's predicted what's going to happen, but Rashi is writing in a in a syntax that just. That, that, that kind of puts him inside the moment when it's, when it's actually happening. Why, I'm not quite sure. but I don't think he's trying to disagree with your premise that this verse isn't about uh, a prediction about what's gonna happen in Egypt.
5: Um, Rona? Um,
4: <clears throat> I think this is a good introduction to how the plagues are gonna be very like systemic. They're not. Object-oriented, right? They're not like I'm gonna do something bad to you. You're just an object like it's more I'm God. I'm gonna systemically interrupt the environment, right? Like it's almost harkens back to like the days of creation Yes, I mean, it'd be cool if the first seven Mako related directly to the first seven. I mean the seven days of creation. It doesn't obviously relate but water is one of the It it might not I'm sure it's not a one-to-one, but it's an interesting close yeah and it's interesting that might be like the bugs the insects.
2: there are ten statements
4: ten statements are crazy so i don't know i've never really like thought of the two in relation to each other in that way but um but it all kind of comes back to everything being like it's everything being systemic right and not 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 being in charge of one thing but being but just being like the, the the catalyst of the whole the whole with the butterfly effect yeah. That's God, <laughs> right? It's, it's
1: not a one to one in order, right? Because the right. penultimate plague is darkness, whereas God, 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 th- God placing light and darkness into early in their places of integration, but it's reminiscent of the way in which the flood story is an undoing of the order created by God in the creation story, right? So in the, the way the, the seas are created in Rashid is that God like sucks up the water and makes them be where they are so that the land can emerge and then in the Noah story God says yeah I can also undo that like that right as we're seeing in many places on our planet right now and this is um, evocative of that, that 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 the animals being where they're supposed to be and the water flowing where it's supposed to be and light being light when it's supposed to be light and dark being dark when it's supposed to be dark
5: i set that up
1: so I can unset that line, will. That,
5: that, that is systemic. Do we know
1: who was older between
5: Cain and Abel? Yeah, eight. we do.
1: I think Cain was, right. was was In- first one. In- right? yeah. Yeah. So, otherwise, it would be the killing of the firstborn. Yeah. Also <laughs> uh-huh. but, uh, Diane.
0: So Rashi is surprisingly conversant with both Egyptian culture and <laughs> Egyptian um, natural Whatever,
1: and I—it's—I mean—I'm surprised. did uh, he knew that much. And he knew that well, much. Well, Toba was his tutor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much knowledge of the ancient
5: world was there? It was very generally known. Egypt was admired and well known throughout the lands for many, even past their feet, and sort of the nature—that special nature of that land with the, with the Nile and the flooding of it and that culture. It, it, it was well, but I'm not surprised that they, they had that knowledge. Well, I'm, I'm looking at Raji on
9: verse 19, and it's like just like our rivers in France. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? If um,
6: oh, I, I
9: open oh, well, so,
6: to
9: yeah, we're not
7: there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, no, but <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> <Okay>. the commentary... <laughs>
7: Okay. <laughs> okay,
0: have to
9: seventeen.
1: Let's go. Let's go. I think we finished 17. Anyone wanna we ready to jump into eighteen? Yeah. Uh whom have we not heard from Renee, you want to read verse 18?
6: Of the regular, right? Uh Vahadaga Shar Baya tamut Okay. The fish life that is uh, in the water will die and the river will become uh, foul and the Egyptians will grow tired of drinking water from the river.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple of interesting bo- vocab mm-hmm. words here. So that's easier Hebrew. Um, the fish you you translator maybe the translator looking at it says fish life as if to say like all marine life it's not it's not like a single fish but fishy things that are in the water will die. Uva asha yor ba asha interesting <clears throat> <laughs> to smell to be foul to stink right sometimes it's understood <laughs> as an actual olfactory stinking it's also Same understood word? to be oh, like having a stench in your reputation anyone know the historian yeah, Rashid, where the this was used someone complains that his reputation has been ruined because of uh, of what someone else did,
8: yeah. Jacob.
1: Right, Jacob in the story of the of Dina, of Dina Right, and Jacob says because of the way you treated Shem, I forgot the exact phrase, but this is the this is the same root. So sometimes it can mean this smells bad. Sometimes you're making me smell bad. Okay, um, so that the, are they
6: are they concerned about getting cooties?
1: Yel Ryan Very interesting verb. I wanna show you the B the BD on that. Hold on. Doesn't it mean the
6: doesn't it? Nil oo. Nil av it's not like it's not like Nil Avti like that.
1: Uh well let's see what, what BDB says. Hold on a second. Well, did you come across BD? didn't show you Bdb in LIMO, did they? BDB <laughs> is the is the um you probably use Jastro for yeah, Jastro. for Taharashi. Yeah. Yeah. BDB is the um, preeminent thirsty. uh biblical uh, root dictionary, right? Um, okay. I don't think it's done by Jews. Uh, I think it's late 19th, early 20th century. Um, uh, and just it's not comparing disgusted. biblical roots with other, um, um, other languages from the era. Hmm. So it's from verse, the verb is from the root which I highlighted. Olive. To be weary, to be impatient, maybe or may not be related to which means to be slow in Hebrew, right? If, if you know, we talked about three-letter roots and two-letter roots, if in the three-letter root, La'at, the Lamed Aleph is core and the Tet is extra, then maybe La'at is related to laat. not sure, uh, but to hesitate. And then look at what he says after here, after difficulty. Okay, throw that into our verse and then try, and, and someone, I'm challenging them to make sense of it, That that if it means that you're tired, so the fish is gonna die, and the, the Nile's gonna stink and the Egyptians will be weary to drink from drinking the water that's in the Nile. Someone turn that into a good English sentence that makes sense.
7: Norm, The fish have died, the river's blood, the Egyptians need to try and cope with this because they need water and probably in some cases they need fish for eating. Um, and they wear themselves out trying to cope with this. Aha! Uh-huh. So you're, you're inserting, and
1: it makes sense. Words in between the nilu um mitzrayim and the lishdo. Um they are going to get tired from all that is now going to be on them because of the challenge of drinking the water in the. That's good. The and the five, foods that are in are it, are, and um, the food
6: in the water. Sounds
1: of kids because we're in Whiteman, and the and the windows open, and we have hundreds of Presbyterian <laughs> students uh, reveling on zero Field
5: this um, is kind
1: like of amazing comments.
6: this is um this is kind of amazing what is just this, this thing, whatever you pull up did here you
4: call what is
6: it
1: BDB.
6: BDB. the dictionary yeah
1: bdb we've right. seen it before i've shared yeah. it before yeah tova it's you usually far away from me it's, it's 931 <laughs> so tova last comment
5: did you say are uh, you still sitting near old with uh, jacob being shamed or, uh, uh,
0: be vai-vash,
5: vai-vash. or so, it, the, Can be, uh, uh, mm-hmm. be shamed? Shame? Yeah.
1: I don't know how it would, but where but, but where are you going with it? No, case? I was
5: just thinking that they were because of this, they were that the, the Egypt, the people of Egypt were shamed to have to drink from the river, so diminished, so polluted, mm-hmm. when it was such a central image of the special. Special character. Um, but if it doesn't mean that,
1: then well. Look <laughs> at let, 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 well, the next page of the BDD, which is now on the screen. Yeah. All the words in it, it's a very complicated dictionary of master. The words in the italics are his translation. So we had weary, is something about with difficulty down second line, to be weary, to be impatient, um, to make oneself weary, to be sluggish. It's less about shame and more about exhaustion. So Rashi will have an interesting comment on that, which will be a cousin to what Norm said. And we'll start with that next week.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts.